Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the attitude era of WWE and so much more. We are hot on the heels of our um, critically lauded Pacific Blue episode. And when when your public asks for more, you give it to them. Um, so, like Saved by the Bell before this, Mario Lopez is going to Hawaii in the two-part Season 5 episode, Blue Hawaii. I'm Aaron Benoit. I'm joined, as always, by Bobby Hankinson, a wrestling historian and Pacific Blue historian now, too. I'm getting there. I'm working on my degree. I uh, have a well, master's thesis to defend, which I'll get to shortly. At this point, you have a, 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 a accumulated enough credit hours that you have a master's equivalent, but we want to get you the full MS, master's in Pacific Blue Science. Yeah, I still have to do my defense. And we also have Eric Silver. Uh, happy to be on the podcast. It takes us all the way from Malibu to Oahu. Yeah, uh, and on the flight between the two places, you could probably get one or two of our episodes in. Yes, that's true. There is enough. There is enough time. Well, you know, uh, our episode lengths are starting to to change a little bit now, right? Because uh, I feel like, you know, back when we were doing the pay per views, it, it could get up to two hours. Mm-hmm. Now we're like, you know, I don't know. We can get something in, done in forty five minutes or an hour with these guys. <laughs> so it's it's very hard to to qualify, you know, what lengths our episodes are at these days. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, but Bobby, you've been spending a lot of time on the Pacific Blue Wikipedia page? Yes, that's incredibly, incredibly true. Uh, as our dear listeners may recall from this the critically lauded first part of our Pacific Blue uh, exploration, I was particularly struck by a line in the Pacific Blue Wikipedia page uh, that seems to attribute a lot of impact to a show that I don't believe nearly had the cultural cachet that it claims to have had. Uh, The sentence I'm referring to specifically on the Wikipedia page says, The form-fitting uniforms are often credited with influencing the way bicycle cops dressed all over the world. Now, that line has no citation, no attribution, no footnote. And I brought it up last week, and we finished recording, and I just, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat, I couldn't think about anything besides that line on this Wikipedia. I, f- so- I feel like, I feel like you have that line, like, scrawled on the wall, like, uh, Seven or the Mothman Prophecies or something like that. Oh, yeah, and I just keep, like, uh, taking, like, a pocket knife and, like, grinding it into the, my tabletops. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was like, who... I mean, it just, to me, it's so insane that it's there unchallenged. It's, there's no proof, not even an attempt to have a receipt. And, like, what drives someone to want to contribute this to the internet? So, I, I, it was driving me crazy. So, I went into Wikipedia. I went into the edits. There was hundreds of edits to this page. So, eventually, I just, like, started on either end and kept, like, guessing until I got, like, slimmer and slimmer until I finally found the entry in Wikipedia that added this specific line and a lot of other ones. Uh, so, I was like, okay, this is the big edit. Let's see who who did it so the user doesn't have like an account they just sort of have like um like their ip address but on wikipedia you can click their ip address and then you get brought to like all the pages that they've edited on wikipedia so it turns out this user has only edited pages for pacific blue uh 21 jump street uh eight is enough and television writer 
Bill Nuss. Which leads me to believe that the person who added this to the Wikipedia is none other than creator, executive producer, and Pacific Blue writer, television's own, Bill Nuss. So, I also, just to be sure, I googled, I uh, did a quick little IP lookup on the IP address and found out they are based uh, in California where Bill Nuss would be living, uh, according to his Wikipedia page, which is also how I found out where he went to college, and that's how I found him on Facebook. <laughs> and so I have friended him, <laughs> but I have not heard back, and when, and if I do, I plan to recount this entire sordid tale on how I landed here with him. But while I have him, I do also need to ask, did the form-fitting uniforms influence <laughs> cops all over the world? <laughs> and if so, where are your receipts? <laughs> but if he lets me ask another question, I do also want to know, why'd you do it? Like, what was it on that night of, like, May 2013, like, when you had a couple glasses of wine, hit Wikipedia, and were like, the world must know my legacy... I helped change the world with the way Fight Cops got sexier, as we all recall, in the early 2000s. One day we woke up and all the Fight Cops were sexy. Uh, defund, I mean, here's the defund thing. Defund the he, sexy he, he Bike could've, Cops. He could have. What's that? said defund the sexy Bike Cops. Yes, all yeah, sexy, sexy Bike, bike Cops. All sexy Bike Cops are bastards. <laughs> yes. Um, but but here's, here's the thing. Like, he could have gotten away with it if he didn't add that one little flourish, it was almost like it was like, uh, dear Mr. Policeman, I gave you all the clues. <laughs> like, why did you do it, man? Like, you could have just left it at like all of the other uh, edits that you made. It was that one little th- that he just couldn't help himself. But also, like, what is it? I can't imagine that if I had all these TV shows and also if I was currently writing the book for a honeymooners broadway musical i don't think i would be like cruising wikipedia to like make sh- I, editing my own pages i don't know maybe i would but uh, what i really don't understand is how wikipedia how hundreds of edit- edits on this page and no one like called this into question like i feel like isn't that how wikipedia works the system is broken is what i'm saying how i don't know that this I- was left unchecked I don't know, Bobby. I think that maybe the people who are editing the Pacific Blue Wikipedia page know Bill Nuss's voice so well that they're like, oh, that's Bill. Yeah, of course we're going to leave that on there. We can't even hold bike, fictional bike cops accountable, is what I'm saying. <laughs> that's how Ooh, no, we yes, can't. Yes. Uh, no, we cannot. Arrest the people, arrest the people who edited uh, uh, the Pacific Blue webpage. Well, that would be Bill Nuss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's go straight to the top. Oh, boy. Do we have another of Nuss's finest work before us here? Oh, this is... Oh, my God. This is a mess. Now, I have a lot of notes for part one. And then part two, I think my eyes just started bleeding because my notes just got more and more insane as it went on. I agree. And that well, happened also... last time, too. I feel like there's like a... There's like a a mathematical sort of tipping point where after you've watched a certain number of minutes of Pacific Blue, your brain just, like, turns to mush. It, it's kind of like you get diminishing returns because at a certain point you're like, yeah, I, I fully believe in this reality now. You're right. Like, we did just fall in love. Oh, shit. Okay. The, the overarching plot of this is... Um, 
TC as in singular, as if there was only one. <laughs> it, yeah, overarching. Isn't it just like uh, Brady Bunch goes to Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, kind of. TC finds the evil Tiki God. Oh my God, that shit. Oh, okay, okay. Just, so I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you sorry, go on. Okay. Well, no, because we'll I will never stop. So TC and who's the other like? Corey. Uh, TC and Corey, thank you. TC and Corey, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Corey, yeah, um, are are headed to a mystery destination uh, to do training in be making their bike cops better bike cops, and uh, Russ and Bobby are voluntold that they are coming along. We find out that that destination is Hawaii, although. Um, we should have known this from the establishing shots of the episode, and we already have the title "Blue Hawaii" at this point. Um, the the very we also have. Uh, oh yeah, I guess what. Well, we we are also we also see um, the jumper cables, but maybe you know we don't know if that's Hawaii. We don't know if that's if that's in Malibu. So I, I sorry, think we I think we could pretty much guess. So the opening of the the like the cold open of this episode starts with. I'm pretty sure importing the same six bikini babes to Oahu. They must be under yes. sat, like have some kind of contract where they are the only establishing shot babes for this. But it's like shot of shot of a babe, shot of a babe, shot of a babe, and then all of a sudden it's a father and a son with a fishing pole, and that's how you're establishing where you are. It's like ass, 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 ass. Now let this motherfucker family time. Well, I my favorite thing about the B-roll is that like it literally it's it's when you cuz like when you say establishing shot, the idea is that it's establishing something. Uh-huh. And every every time they've shot they've shown this B-roll, it doesn't establish anything because they they show all that B-roll, they show all of these women, they show the father son, and then they're just like, and now it's nighttime. And that's how they transition <laughs> to we're we're on the beach at night. And and then like, you know, but after the credits roll, we have more establishing shots of just Malibu, and then we go to the police station. So it's not like there's nothing actually being established except that that women in in bikinis exist. We are introduced to our WWE star of the week much earlier in this episode than in uh, in Seduced, though. So. In at the nighttime on the beach, there's a tiny white guy meeting with a big Hawaiian guy. Um, they get into a fight over something. I'm still a little bit confused about what exactly their, their evil plot is. And then Shawn Michaels gets out of the car, uh, saying he's happy he doesn't want to get his hands dirty, but then immediately gets his hands dirty by applying jumper cables to the big Hawaiian's nuts. It was actually a C clamp, I think. <laughs> it was a, th- this was a lot to take in, and it didn't. It a lot of what, what hurt, I think, uh, my comprehension of these two episodes, this two parter, is that uh, everyone that's not our main characters, and also actually most of our main characters, all seem like the kinds of actors that Tommy Wiseau used as, like, assorted friends in the room. (laughs) Like, none of the main friends, but the ones that kind of appear for a scene and are never seen again. Like, all of those people feel like who's filling out the cast of these episodes. And on top of that, there's, like, multiple layers of, like, farce 
happening. And so and everyone also has multiple identities. And I'm like, I don't understand <laughs> what the fuck anything that's happening is. And it's also sort of a bottle episode. It's, <laughs> I mean, wild. And none of them have the acting chops of Chris G. Let's be honest. No, no, honestly, no. Well, Chris G took his fucking shit seriously. <laughs> Um, so then we go back to, to Malibu, um, and this is where we are informed that, um, that, uh, TC and Corey are, are going on this trip, um, spending valuable taxpayer money to, to take two, two guys who didn't even really want to go to begin with to Hawaii. It's just like, oh, we're just going to like pull you guys in here too. Um, and I realized then that I immediately forgot everyone's relationship on this show because I assumed that TC and Corey were the ones that were together. No, that I'm very curious about this because uh, this morning Bobby sent us a text about the uh, Pacific Blue fan fiction. And yes, of course I'm going to click on that link. Uh, and at one point they were like, there were like some some uh, synopses in the fan fiction list where it was something like, "This is me imagining if uh, TC and Chris had made it work." I'm like, "Wait a minute, did they not make it work? Do I have to go back and watch like between season four and season five to see how they wrote Chris off the show?" It was the curse. Bobby, have you watched it? Do you know what no, happened? I don't, did, they, I, did their marriage dissolve? You also have to understand that while I'm watching Pacific Blue, I am not like taking i'm not like taking a lot of it in <laughs> so like a lot of it is letting pacific blue wash over me i'm i still like you guys are saying names and i'm like mm, brown hair okay that's brown hair that's <laughs> that's a uh, bike dad got it okay like i'm like trying to follow along and replay it in my own head so i have no idea i couldn't even tell you i've watched multiple episodes and i couldn't uh recount them to you i think uh in a way that you would also understand Okay, well, I have one other question. It's not plot oriented. Um, we'll we'll just say like the only blonde left on the show is she. Basically, has she just taken on like the screech position? Officer That's what sexy. It seems. Shannon Mokler, ta- <laughs> the one that was trying yeah, Sha- to Shannon Mokler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, my question during this was: Is she just trying to fuck all of her coworkers? <laughs> like, is that is that her character? Is that like she's just like literally trying to have sex with all of them? I, I yeah I think so I think she's just like horny blonde but like my favorite part is that she's just like a little like imp like she's just, she like it's like oh uh, I'm uh, I'm manning the phones oh yeah uh, they're by the way they're gonna cut funding ha 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 like I think it's kind of a cool thing to to take what would you know what I'm calling like the screech roll and actually make it just like somebody who's hot instead of somebody who's just cuz i guess i guess they're all hot but she's like the hot like i don't know scam artist that's what i mean and she's also like trying to like torment him like over the phone like and being it's like she she's actively trying to break up her coworkers marriages it's very yes. weird I find it interesting, Eric, that you call her the imp yet one of the things that she's doing is signing warrants which is what a judge does yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wasn't sure what the hell was going on. I mean, she's also has, she's throwing press conferences. <laughs> like, wh- what is going on, man? Like, 
I think I guess that's the joke is man, she has far exceeded her thor- her authority. Well, I couldn't tell if that was the joke. So so what's going on is TC is calling back to Pacific Blue headquarters periodically through this two part episode, and Officer Sexy answers the phone and just says like insane things that are outside of her authority. I couldn't tell if if the joke was that she's exceeding her authority or if that she's just trying to get a rise out of TC, who can't who somehow can't call anyone else to confirm anything that's going on i don't know if she knew that was the joke i don't know if he knew that was the joke i don't know if bill nuss knew that was the joke like yeah i i agree it's very unclear and i would call it like the g plot (laughs) (laughs) well it's kind of i feel like pacific blue again takes its cues from pornography and has this like multiple not even really barely related, mostly just happening adjacent storylines <laughs> where it's like all yes. of a sudden it's like, well, now let's go down to the park and see what's happening in the brambles, but these characters will never see again. Uh, there's always like uh, a quick, uh, you know, let's check in with this week's cartoon out of nowhere. Drop in. <laughs> yes. By the way. Um, so they, I, I'll, I'll uh, move us into Hawaii. They, they go to Hawaii um and of course immediately it's like uh well we're we're meeting first thing in the morning uh i hope you know i hope you guys are going to do something cultural they had a real weird um fixation with the idea that like hawaii is about like quote-unquote culture uh to obviously varying degrees and the one extreme of it was just being the most racist shit i've heard uh and then the other degree being like uh strippers and i don't know surfing it it was a it was a real mishmash but i one of the things i noticed was so you know they make there's kind of this ongoing joke of oh we're gonna take in the culture and like you know both sets uh tc and Corey are like well yeah we're gonna go do something uh sophisticated and and uh bobby and uh or billy 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 and ross are like bobby goes Bobby? Yep. Bobby, fuck. So Bobby and Russ are like, we're going to go, you know, uh, they're, you know, you can kind of tell they're actually just going to go, like, get drunk or whatever. And then you find out TC is going surfing. And uh, I don't – did you guys catch the song that was playing when TC is surfing? These well, songs these songs are insane to me as they're going on, and then they immediately go out of my brain. Well, uh, I'll have I, you know – these songs were all original songs written by one guy and performed by this, this musician, Christopher Frankie, who was in the band Tangerine Dream. And just... <gasps> oh, my God. So these are not, like, redubbed, like, oops, we didn't have the streaming rights to fucking garbage and whatever. This is, like, actual... Like, they were like, hey, yeah, let's make all the original music. You could buy the Pacific Blue album. Oh, I, I saw that, uh, like, they had a, a special credit at the beginning of the show saying that they were, like, like original songs written and performed by, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize he was from Tangerine Dream, though. That's actually some, some good street cred. Yeah, but, um, and now he makes, um, you know, music that would be suited to, like, an uh, off-brand Tony Hawk video game for PlayStation 2. <laughs> Yeah, um, actually, one of these songs, I, I the first song I wrote the lyrics down, uh, or at least some of them, uh, a thousand miles away from here, a storm is on the rise. The pressure drops, the center clears, a single sightless eye. And I was like, is he singing about Mordor? Wait, did you listen to the one? Did you catch the one? I think it was in the second episode where they were like, uh, bark like a dog, 
Do what the master says. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me? There was a... a, a, Bark like a dog. I was like, what? There there was a metal song, like a heavy metal song that was playing, I believe... uh, I believe during, like, the, the bike chase. One of the bike chases... Oh, I have the notes somewhere. And I think it's and that I'm one. Like, I think what? we're talking about the same one. It might be. Where was it, it was, was it was knock off Iggy Pop, basically, right? Basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean um, much worse. It's like knockoff is oh. not ugh. Oh when 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 I say that, believe me, I, I know just how bad everything that they execute on this is. Oh, damn it, I can't find you know what? When we get there, we'll get there. I'm sure I'll find. Oh, the. Uh, no, there was a there was a heavy. Me- okay, so this is actually it's it's maybe like the second or third song. Um, so at one point, uh, I believe it's uh, the f- the there's like uh, Corey and TC and the the bike cops of like of Hawaii, and they're like like kind of doing like a, a bike and talk where they're just rolling around. And then of course the biggest crime of this episode happens, uh, a purse snatcher on rollerblades. Did you, do you guys remember this part? I remember Did this we, part. Yeah. I can't believe I asked you, do you remember the rollerblade chase scene? It's like, <laughs> Oh no, I didn't really register the extended, like three and a half minute rollerblade chase scene. Um, that they were like, you saw all these bike cops be like, I've trained my whole fucking life for this day. And they're fucking bouncing down staircases and shit. It was awesome. They literally look like they're afraid of falling, of like falling off the bike. Like every stunt down the stairs, I was just like, you guys look like you're being very careful about this. Um, but there was a heavy metal song playing for the purse snatcher. And what, some of the lyrics were, uh, give me just a little more space. Maybe I should add a room to this place. And I was like, is this a TLC thrash band? <laughs> like, like, do you think I should redo my bathroom? <laughs> but so, but so to go back to the surfing scene, we are six minutes into um, a two part episode and a Hawaiian native has already put a curse on a mainlander. Yeah. I mean, not Oof. not not to ruin the spoiler here, but the guy ends up being like the local police chief or whatever, like a equal important muckety muck police dude. And so this scene, just so you know what happens, is like the head of the police or whatever in Oahu uh, runs into someone else surfing, and then puts a curse on them, which I think <laughs> is a pretty good encapsulation of the of systemic issues that we're facing. <laughs> It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Not, not runs, in, runs into him and, like... Taurus. <laughs> runs into him and, like, rap tackles him. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. In Hawaii, they're ten years behind the mainland. So in ten years, <laughs> that guy is just going to murder the guy on the surfboard and make it look like he was resisting arrest. <laughs> yeah, just uh, sprinkle a little matu on him and, uh, and call it a day. <laughs> Batu. Batu. Um, uh, yeah, and then and then you alluded to the the strip club that that Russ and Bobby go to, and the the TV like the the basic cable strip club is just such a funny idea to me that you pay to go to a place 
where the women are wearing more clothes than they're wearing on the beach. Yes. Yeah, they're like they're just like, oh man, look at all this TNA, and you're like, you mean like just women dancing? Yes. Like at, at one point, they are being given what I can only call like the saddest lap dance ever. Because <laughs> she was kind of like in a crab walking position. <laughs> it's it looks like they're playing Twister. It's like lap. It's like lap adjacent. <laughs> it's it. You know what it is? It's 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 the Voight Kampf test where it's like you're walking through the strip club, you see a stripper on her back. How does that make you feel? Do you turn her over? It's you like don't turn was... her over. Why? Because we have a connection. <laughs> it's like she was using a public toilet she didn't feel super comfortable with it. She was kind of hovering above it. Yeah, her her ankles were by like were by Bobby's head or something. It's like, what is happening? It like, it's, it's, it, of course, and, you know, Russ is wasted. You could tell because I think he had his necktie around his head. Like it was a very like he was one lampshade shy of like playing like nineteen fifty sitcom drunk. I'm like, what are we in the Lockhorns? What is this? They also kept saying brada, brada. Oh. I'm like, this is bad. Uh, yeah, big yikes! But then, okay, so so important plot point: the the stripper makes an makes a, a motion towards the same blonde guy who was uh, Shawn Michaels' henchman in the opening of this, and he, being the worst criminal ever, just walks over and is like, "Here are our crimes. Here's your part in our crimes. This is what you need to do to do the crimes." Do you guys, have you guys ever been to like a, one of those like murder mystery theme parties where like everyone's given a character? <laughs> <laughs> it felt like, it felt like you walked over. He's like, here's your envelope. Yeah. You're playing um, mm-hmm. Mrs. Mayberry. You, you were the neighbor for 30 years. And on Thursday night, you heard a gunshot. And you know that they've been fighting. But don't tell anyone that you also know where the secret treasure is buried. Okay, go get a cocktail. Yeah, or or it was like Tony and Tina's wedding or something. <laughs> But that leads to the funniest moment to me from this entire show where uh, Russ and Bobby leave the strip club. I'm already laughing. Are followed by the two worst tales ever. And then they they duck down like an alley or something where they're the only ones there because they realize immediately that they're followed because they're being followed by the two worst tales. And a man with an incomprehensible, I want to say Australian accent goes, and I quote, Ali, Ali, oxen, free, free, free. Come on, lads, laddies. (laughs) If you're going to play, let's play. A brawl. Yeah, so at some point the tails decide that it's like now we're just gonna fight you. Warriors come out and play. <laughs> a that brawl breaks out. A brawl. And- a brawl drags on is what you say because <laughs> it's about forty-five minutes of everybody taking turns throwing single punches. <laughs> it's like they well, live. My favorite is. My favorite part is like when you're in a fight, at some point you have to say, Whoa, 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 I'm a cop. <laughs> Which led to it. Wait, 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 wait. I'm a cop too. Whoa, 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 I'm a cop. Also, fourth cop over four here. For four. Four, four for four. four. Oh. 
Yeah. Uh, under, every time someone gets in a tussle with me, I'm gonna start yelling. If you're a cop, you have to tell me. Well, <laughs> but if they are a cop, they do have to. Like the first thing you're supposed to do is identify yourself as a police officer if you're trying to do something in pursuit of your job. Well, keep in mind this is a universe where they just put anybody undercover. <laughs> Yes. No. Uh, agreed. They put them undercover with zero training or support. Especially in like, this case. Uh, in this case, you know how like uh, the the fucking president now like retroactively makes things classified. It's like they retroactively <laughs> put people undercover in the show somehow. They're like, okay, now you guys were undercover that whole time. It's like, wait, what? That's not how undercover works. <laughs> There's a whole paper trail. They, they flew commercial here. What do you think you're gonna do? <laughs> Honestly, I think this is how they 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 backdate their expenses. So now all of a sudden the strip club is like another Malibu police department. Yeah, exactly. It's like that can get that's a corporate thing. That's our tax dollars paying for Velvet's rent. <laughs> By the way, best stripper name ever, Velvet. <laughs> like no, that is that has never ever been used as a stripper's name. Wait, there was also a great uh, exchange during all of this where the you know velvet's doing her thing whatever thing you might call that on top of them <laughs> and russ leans over to bobby apparently completely out of earshot of of uh velvet who's writhing on top of them <laughs> and he goes or something like uh you know i think i'm seeing the girl in my dreams or something like that and bobby goes to him i think you need glasses and then russ goes i will after this <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Yes. What's going to happen to your eyes? I thought she was going to poke his eye out, honestly. What's, I was like, What's going to happen to your eyes? What do street people do? I was like very concerned. He'll need glasses after that. It's like, it, will he? It, it reminds me, it's a little bit like, you know, I don't know. You know like how when people just like have to have something to say back, but they just kind of run out of steam? And so they're just like, uh, I don't know. I got to throw something out there. Like, like they definitely were not hoping that anybody was going to scrutinize the banter because at some point it just, it breaks down. It's just like Bill Nuss is in for a rude awakening one of these days. (laughs) Those chickens are coming home to roost. It's like, um, it's like when you go to the movies and, and the usher rips your ticket and says, enjoy the show. And you go, you too. <laughs> right, right, or like have a nice trip. Right, I don't, I don't go to the old, uh, the old uh, movie theaters that uh, that that uh, Aaron goes to, where they've got a little little fez on and they're ripping the ticket. Well, I mean, let's not let's not kid ourselves. None of us go to any kind of movie theaters anymore. True, the theater oh. of the mind. Oh. Uh. Anyway, back to this gem. <laughs> Because now we learn that um, there is an entire squad that these two were a part of called Oahu Undercover. And did this not seem like a backdoor pilot? Like Bill yes. Nuss. Oh, yes, absolutely. 100%. Bill backdoor, Nuss was 100%. trying, was trying door, to get door. to Hawaii. <laughs> so bad. Well, and again, I, well, I don't want to jump ahead, but obviously, like, Bobby and Claire, Bobby's going to sell his combs, and Claire is going to sell the pocket watch, and, you know, we're all going to be in the middle, but... <laughs> okay, it's Billy. It's definitely Billy. No, I looked Bobby. at my notes. It's, it's definitely it's Bobby. Billy. It's definitely Bobby. It's definitely Billy. It's definitely Bobby. Eric, Bobby. Eric, I want you to Venmo me a margarita. I'm telling you, it's Bobby. Tell- I- okay, I, okay. Well, well, margaritas are on the line. All right, margaritas Ready? Are on I'm going to look it up. It's Bobby Cruz and Russ Granger. 
while Eric's looking that Fuck, up. It was Bobby Cruz. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> Son of a bitch! I always lose these things. There was no tension Why there I... for us. In the uh... in the meantime, my joke was he was gonna buy sell his surfboard to buy her a coconut bra, but she had already sold her grass skirt to buy him some surf wax. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So wait. Uh, just so, dear listeners, this is where we're at. The drug deal comes to them by mistake. They run to the other cops. The two squads meet up in almost like an Anchorman style rival clash, <laughs> looking sort of yes. meet up on the roof of a building. Uh, we are eight learn, minutes into this show, and forty five minutes into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! But we learned that the Oahu Vice Squad or whatever. They are tailing this huge ring of Batu, which is like crystal meth, uh, but uh, contained only to the Hawaiian Islands, I suppose. And so it can, it, they're not, they want it to not reach the mainland because it'll destroy everybody because it's like uh, meth except like uh, super meth. Hawaisenberg. They stepped into the wrong drug sting, and now they want them to finish out the the, the scam with whoever is in charge of the Batu, which everyone already knows is Shawn Michaels, right? We don't, is that even, is it, are we supposed to not realize that on the show? Well, for, for a really huge ring, there's three guys. Uh, <laughs> like, like uh, Shawn Michaels, I, I think, is trying his best to be, like, the man behind the man behind the man, like a Kaiser Soze of sorts, but he's a little bit more like just a guy who's always around. <laughs> Like he's like on a speedboat, just hanging out outside of a of a drug a drug deal. Like it's. I always thought that Shawn Michaels was a good performer, so I was shocked by what a terrible actor he is. I mean, and I know that I wasn't expecting him to come out and give me Shakespeare in the park, but I really thought that he'd be able to out act sable and triple h like i really oh, think he would be doing better and i don't think he did you don't think you don't think he did i don't think he out acted uh i think he did better in the second episode but overall no i really don't think he i think he better not edged you think out sable, maybe sable you think sable okay but it, it's it's a lot closer than it should have been i thought uh, he was gonna be pretty good like i thought like i didn't think he'd be a good actor but i thought he'd be a good Pacific Blue actor. I, I thought, thought he was. I don't know. H. I thought he was head and shoulders above both Triple H and Sable. But that's also because role. I I think his part his part was meteor exactly. Anyway, anyway, Shawn Michaels is playing Michael Shane, which uh, yeah. sounds like an Office like movie reference thing. I don't understand. Well, no. To... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say to me, it, like having Shawn Michaels play Michael Shane, like that's probably like the name he checks into hotels under <laughs> when he's traveling with like WWE, right? Like it's like, um, uh, the can I get Michael Shane's room, please? Like it's so close to his name. Why he's afraid Michael Hickenbottom would alert the paparazzi? <laughs> <laughs> he can't use his just his real ass name. <laughs> he needs a third other name, not my famous alias. <laughs> Not my unknown real name. But no, I must have a third one that truly not a single soul will know. And then one name to unlock that name. I keep that one in a safe. Because who knows what Wikipedia page is the front checkout desk has been reading. So, 
so TC agrees to allow uh, Bobby and Russ to to be on the the undercover squad after um, an apology and a promise to lift the curse, which is yes, uh, tough terms, which man. is how police negotiate. Um, Listen, I had I had to give him a transfer. He I, he had a curse over my head. What am I going to do? Live with this curse? And so now, um, now Russ and Bobby are Woody and Umu, and Umu must prove to be that he is a surfer in order to be a drug courier. I None mean, this. wow! Oh, the surf team are like, prove it. Like basically, I heard you're a good surfer, and instead of Marilyn even doing anything to be like, oh, you know, and they and they do call him out for this, like say you hurt your knees or say you're like literally, but he's a cop. Who is undercover, and he can't. He has the ability to think of a single cover story. The second he's asked a single question, like I feel like that's this is the most basic training an undercover <laughs> cop would receive. Even if you don't often go undercover, I feel like just doesn't that something teach you in cop school? So they sit you down there like, hey, if you're undercover and someone asks you a question, answer it trickily. You know what I mean? Like it just seems to be like there could have been an easier out here. Uh, also, the show. No, I mean, no, more that... importantly. So Pacific Blue didn't need to include the surfing scene, which is why no. I find it hilarious that they did such a terrible job with a st- with like the stand-in surfer who looked nothing like Mario Lopez. I, well, that's okay because Mario Lopez was undercover as somebody else, so I, they just got the original guy he was pretending to be. I need to no, I need to go back to to the cop training because apparently undercover cop training. When faced with something that you don't know how to do, all you need to do is immediately figure out how to do it. I mean, or or just it turns out you can do it (laughs) all along. And so what you know, where was the tension? There was no need for it. And also, like, exactly. They were like, uh, so, wow, how'd you do that? And the answer was just like, I don't know. I just I guess I knew how to do it. You're like, (laughs) what? (laughs) You just naturally knew how to surf? That's not. Oh yeah. By the way, I just surfed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like he was just. I think he said like I used to surf or something. I'm like, but, but, but. So it adds nothing to the plot at all. Like there's no. We didn't have to. It doesn't add to his character. It doesn't come up later. It doesn't. There's no need to have a surfing scene here. Especially when well, more you might call earlier. it. You, you might call it the um, the uh, car wash on a soft top of uh, of this. <laughs> of this uh, scene, right? Like, I, I guess I thought it's like, why, why is it enough? <laughs> right. Exactly. We, it's, it's Hawaii. There better be. some. I feel like Bill Nuss was sitting in the writer's room with a cigar going, it's Hawaii. There better be some fucking surfing. I want some surfing. I want some bike chases and I need at least one rollerblader. It's I Bill think... Nuss going, it's Bill Nuss going, I'm tired of all these surfing cops and their loose fitting cotton slacks. I want to impact the way that they uniform them. Let's get some sexy surfing cops up there. All right. And put them in something skimpy. <laughs> get me pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> Bill Nuss was two pages short and then he just wrote in surfing goes here. I I mean, First of all, uh, you know, to to attack this from the other side, I think in drug smuggling school, they should really train them that, like, it's not important to watch an athletic demonstration of your courier. Like, you could just give him the drugs. In fact, one might argue that the more time you spend out in the open during your transaction, the more likely it is that all of you will get caught. Or surfing is kind of a rough and tumble sport, so the more likely that the fins that you've hidden the drugs 
ocean <laughs> will break off, thus releasing your drugs into the ocean, and at the very least, killing a lot of fish, if not destroying your profit margins. Yeah, one guy already broke his surfboard. The police chief of Oahu Undercover lost his surfboard. That surfboard also had a lot of uh, Batu in it, but, you know, like it, it was lost to the gods. Hey, Our hey, surfboard is that easy to break. <laughs> medicinal batu it's for his glaucoma <laughs> but like yeah i i don't understand why you give your drug surfboard to the guy to surf with it i don't know man but we also then next have the undercover cop literally stalking the stripper from the night before right um also you know he tries to make this uh like you know it, it, it's russ who's chasing after uh velvet also known as Mary Jane. Wow. Um, and did they give her a real name in this? I, I have her in velvet as all my notes. Oh, uh, it was. Oh, well, look, I'm not going to make any fucking bets, but I'm pretty sure it was Mary <laughs> Jane. Um, but the funny thing is like, he's like, Hey, I want to go out. And she's like, yeah, you're just like all the men that I meet at the strip club. Like you think you just want me, but you want something that you, that like you, you know, that you've never, that you don't know about. You don't know who I am. And he's like, no, I want the real you. I'm like, wait, Russ, when did you ever experience the real Mary Jane? Like, what what about her has drawn her to you other than what you saw at the strip club? Because Keep, keep in mind, Russ get, makes connections very fast. He, like, imprints, <laughs> like, a baby animal on people. That's why as soon as he saw Molly, the second she came home from the hospital after being born, he fell in love with the way that she looked at him when he talked to her. And now he looked into Velvet's eyes, and he saw the true Mary Jane, and he is going to chase her out of porn, and he will not stop until he looks into the eyes of every sex worker and saves them from the industry. Natalie <laughs> Natalie called him the sex worker whisperer. <laughs> Yeah, like, he's just, he hangs out on Backpage and just, like, answers all of them. And it's just like, who hurt you? And they're all paying for college or dance school. It's like, man, Bill <laughs> Nuss is a real narrow scope. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing about this episode, okay? We've already got an undercover. We also got, we've already got, like, a double undercover drug smuggling sting going on, okay? And then... Now we start adding a bunch of other elements, including multiple, multiple, multiple romance angles uh, as yes. well. That make no sense. Then there's also sex trafficking in something called the Pacific Rim Circuit. And they are just piling shit on at this point. And now Velvet's in risk of being sex trafficked. Well, and... not just not just sex trafficking, the uh, white slavery, which we all know is worse than any other kind of the slavery. The worst kind of slavery. God. <laughs> And also, um, the, the other squad, the Oahu Vice Department or whatever, they have a sexy blonde cop, uh, and she's in love with Bobby Cruz instantly and without explanation. <laughs> and However, her partner, some other guy, who apparently just is also in love Not with her and yeah. has been following her and Bobby Cruz as they go, like, flirty, flirty down the lane. All of this is also happening. Meanwhile, Shawn Michaels runs into Corby at, a, at Tiffany's and offers to buy her anything she wants in the entire store. <laughs> so now she is also going to go undercover. <laughs> and you guys, I mean, this was supposed to be a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're, now three of the four of us are in an undercover sting. <laughs> I was just supposed to be a bike cop. 
cords. <laughs> now we're breaking up. Man, I don't even. Rings. I, I don't even know what day it is. I forget who I'm supposed to be. I think I, I think they owe me something at Tiffany's. I didn't go back for it. <laughs> I don't even know how to surf. <laughs> Job, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, by the way, Claire, Claire's just like I. I promised myself I'd never fall for a cop. Really? Well, who, why would you ever make that promise? You work entirely with cops. Well, you got a real the fucking jelly spine there, Claire, because you met this guy like <laughs> like literally eighteen hours ago, and you gave up on your lifelong promise just like that. <laughs> Not even like a little bit. By of the way. By the way, do you do you know what the uh, do you know what the police code is for a uh, stolen surfboard over the uh, the walkie-talkie? No, it's stolen surfboard. That's what they yell. <laughs> they go. <laughs> this is like this is chase number two, where the surfboard gets taken and they go into their walkie-talkies. We need a we need backup. We've got a stolen surfboard. Like, that's ever anything anybody ever calls in. Well, th- this is like that. It already got real Brooklyn Nine-Nine up in here because first, as you said, the drug dealers give Mary Lopez the surfboard. They go surf, and he goes, okay. And he s- magically surfs perfectly. Uh, then they're like, keep the surfboard. There's drugs in it. And they're like, is there drugs in the surfboard? <laughs> and they go back to the cops, and the cops are like, we'll put it in the lab. Then they bring it to the lab. They go, nope, no drugs in mm-hmm. here. And then, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. But then they go, what should you do with it now? I don't know. Let's surf with it again. <laughs> so then they take it back out to surf with this piece of evidence again. And this time they discover that, oh, just kidding, there are definitely drugs in the surfboard. We didn't think to look in the fins. For some reason, there are two parts of the surfboard, the board and the fins. And we just looked at the board because we figured, eh, like what? Listen, they- listen, to be fair, the lab had a lot of rape kits to get through that day. And they were like, we, we, can't, we can't go through this whole surfboard. We both know they're not testing the rape kits. So... I mean, they'd have to go out of their way to test the surfboard and not the fins. They have to go out of their way to exclude that. So lo and behold, well, they... listen, the fins are always solid. So why would they ever suspect a fin? It's always solid. In that case, wouldn't you feel it when you pick it up? Like, hey, this surfboard's kind of heavy right here. <laughs> Probably because it's, <laughs> it's full got of some these... like shit rolling around in it. It's full of these two handfuls of rhinestones. <laughs> They should have known known when they were walking and the surfboard was shaking like a maraca. It's very weird that I feel like Bill Nuss, they're like, uh, the prop master's like, hey, Bill, quick question. What does crystal meth look like? And he's like, it's crystal, crystal, it's like crystals, it's crystals. Because it looks like they have like actual like big like uh, Tiffany's diamonds rolling out of a sack. Yes. (laughs) Yes, like like fake diamonds. I agree. It's like, is that what? Okay. By the way, um, some some uh, interesting again more more uh, subtle racism when uh, Bobby and uh, and Russ walk into the uh, the surf shop and the one guy looks at Bobby and goes, "You must be Umu and you must be the other guy." I'm like, "Why? Why is it? Why is he got to be Umu? What are you saying?" And then, of course, by the way, the the uh, Samoan that um, that Bobby was supposed to be impersonating is huge, and that guy I should remind you is also the amazing surfer. Big big people can't surf, Eric. Is that what you're saying? 
Uh, I mean, look, I'm just saying the guy didn't seem very spry on his feet. Maybe he's really good at surfing. You know, I, I retract. Maybe, look, surfers come in all sizes. Mm-hmm. You're right. What I want to know is they kept saying he's got a face like a mud fence. And yeah. I that's not a thing. Like, I don't, right? Am I supposed to know what a mud fence looks like to be like, oh, yeah, that face, whew, real mud fence right there. What? What? Well, do you guys they know looked what at each means? other and go, mud fence! Do you guys know what that means? No. I just, just meant, like, he's a real uh, ugly dude. Sure, but, but like, there's other specific, there's, like, regular words you could use for that, right? I mean, like, why would you be like, oh, he's a real blue dresser? It means he's ugly. You're like, what? Well, yeah, I mean, but also, you're going to need glasses after this, too, so... <laughs> Like, what is what does anything mean here? That's true. That's true. Everybody had a stroke, it seems. By uh, the way, my favorite my favorite thing uh, when so the real couriers get in touch with the surf shop, and that's what makes them you know realize that they have to steal the surfboard. Then those guys are arrested, and they're like, "Shit, our cover's blown." But you know what? It may not be blown. We'll just say those guys are the cops. So. They go. They go to the with the. They go to the surf shop with these just pieces of paper that are crumpled up <laughs> that just say personnel files. Yeah, like Xerox so, copies. So up with some bad photocopies. It's like, well, I guess they were cops all along. Or they're in like a Damn, local punk. You got band. his whole file. What's that? It said, or they're in a local punk band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, you got his whole file on this one sheet. That's amazing. Well, I didn't realize this guy's cop was all ages. <laughs> by the way they, uh, when they're at the when they're at the thing um so this is this is when they're trying to do the drop off uh and uh bucky the the hot shot the hothead australian thinks that the whole thing is going wrong uh and he starts like doing what i would say is the most conspicuous walk with a gun and a surfboard over to the surf shop. He's literally like nobody ever walks with a surfboard under one arm and their other arm tightly behind their back. Uh, and then, and then another guy comes running with a gun full out behind him. Uh, and I think it was Peter. And uh, the guy from the surf shop goes incoming with a gun, <laughs> like some real, they, they use some real coded phrases in this industry incoming with a gun. Well, then it led to, so so Pete gets shot. And then it cuts to Shawn Michaels doing the unscrewing of a rifle from a boat and just going away. There were other people there. If you're you were the only backup for this, you've just decided, nope, that, that must have been the only cop around. Now time to speed away in my boat. How How long was he waiting in that boat? Was he just like... <laughs> Doing donuts around the the shore, just waiting to see what would happen. So then, like I, again, just just like you know, if you're the boss, you, I feel like Sean Mike, uh, Michael Shane, you're a bit of a micromanager. You know, like let these guys handle it. Maybe keep keep some distance between yourself and them. So the episode ends with um, the criminals walking up to the police, going, "Gee, officers." What happened to him? And then a stare down that must have lasted four minutes. Yes. Four minutes of reaction shots. It's just amazing. It showed everybody's reaction to everybody. How long was this script? Like, was this script five pages? 
because I mean, there's like think about like there's these reaction shots. There's the the th- like the two the three surf scenes. I think there's like the chases. It's um, like I, how much dialogue actually was there. So yeah, uh, uh, at, at this point, my eyes are bleeding, and uh, but I'm still trying to do my best to to wade into part two and take some notes. I don't know if you guys caught this in the previously on, but they even included some of the B-roll on the previously on recap. <laughs> the recap? They're like, the, oh. <laughs> the second episode where they recapped the first episode was like 10 to 15 minutes long, I feel like. <laughs> it was basically the entire first episode without most of the B-roll. Well, like they were like, oh, hey, remember those two women that were in bathing suits that were looking off to the right? They were that was last that was last episode. So just now you're caught up on them. And so we go back to the Hawilton High and High or sorry, the Hawilton God, I can't Hilton. The Hilton Hawaiian Village um gets name dropped so many times and you can stay there too. No thanks. Not after Corey. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want her spray tan all over my sheets. <laughs> Uh, by the way, there was a point. So, okay. Um, I think we've, we've also been developing a bit of like a pattern in this episode, uh, that the Oahu undercover cops are not very good cops, um, for a few reasons, right? I think we're establishing a pattern on Pacific blue that no cops (laughs) are very good cops. For you to say that Eric would, would mean that, that the Pacific blue cops are good cops. Uh, Okay, you're probably right, but I guess I guess what I'm getting at is there's like a lot of like there's just seem to be a lot of things that they have no problem uh not following. Like at one point one of them just says like like I want to kill this guy or like I want I want to I want to ticket to this guy's execution and I'm just like what the fuck, man? Like listen, these, the- like it just seems like they just want to kill people. Listen, they're young cops and they're just starting out and you can follow their exploits every week when Oahu Undercover gets picked up. I, I, I literally like went to the... I, I looked up this episode to find out if this had been some kind of crossover episode with another USA show because I was like, I don't know, maybe Oahu Undercover was a thing. Uh, okay. Let's, okay, so let's get through this episode. Um, they're trying to get revenge for Pete um cory needs things to do so she is now going undercover as well as a um a what we want to say a um uh, uh, a oh, disavowed think, think, financial analyst i was gonna say i think her titles in the credits as fiduciary slut because <laughs> <laughs> basically she just sits down i mean i actually could listen to cory describe her job, her fake undercover job with importing, exporting of world markets and domestic currencies. And I was like, I could listen to this shit all day. The pure, utter nonsense coming out of her mouth. It's basically gambling, really. It's like she randomized the index of like an economics textbook is what it felt like. <laughs> uh, my, I, I really liked how uh, at, at one point after PD dies, um, Bobby goes and finds Claire and Claire doesn't want to, you know, doesn't really want to talk to him. And he's like, what? Everyone's blaming me for this guy's death. Like, come on. 
Like, he's just immediately just, like, he he forgets the fact that this guy died. He's like, wait, so you're not interested in, it, in me anymore because you think I'm responsible? Jeez. Yeah, you're the friend that she's worked with for many years and the guy that she's now in love with after 26 hours. Yeah, she's just being a real selfish bitch because, you know, they have a limited amount of time together. I think, doesn't Bobby <laughs> she's at one point... Upset. I think Bobby at one point says, like, because, you know, the thing about this that gets so, why I think my eyes glazed over, because, again, it's, like, back and forth, and there's so much, and, like, the real Umu and Woody are out of prison and back into prison and out of prison again, and now they have to get in a fight in a boat, and it's, like, back and forth, and it's, like, very hard to keep up with what's going on. But at some point, the case is everything is off or something, and Bobby is, like, yeah, I was most, like, worried about our time getting cut short. And I was, like, you were more worried about that than Peter being killed? (laughs) You just met Claire, and you're more worried about that? Damn, Mario Lopez, that's cold. Oh God. Oh yeah. So right when they the the you you were talking about that fight. By the way, um, I feel like everybody's just like super racist because doesn't she, doesn't she like her way of getting uh the two the two couriers to kind of like be pulled out of play is to basically like talk about how she's heard Samoans have big dicks. Yeah, it's uh. hey, hey, show me your big Samoan dick. It, and and uh, she was the one now playing playing the playing the drunk girl. Oh my, well first of all, I I love I want to I want to know about this character because if they want like a hidden pilot, the true hidden pilot is not Oahu undercover. It's the 21-year-old girl who gets drunk by herself on her 21st birthday during the day and then decides to go out and look for threesomes. Like I want more about this person because holy shit. Like she wasn't it wasn't even like she was like at a bachelorette party. She was just a, a girl who was like I'm 21. I'm t- it's time to get shit-faced. Clubs going well, up on a Tuesday. I can relate. Uh I can say <laughs> Because I was up this morning at 6 a.m. And I turned to Nathan and I went, you know, we do have all the ingredients of Bloody Mary still. And then Nathan turned to me and was like, Bobby, it's 6 in the morning. And I said, what? It's after 5. And that was <laughs> <laughs> that. was that. So, yes, I do. I, I can relate. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying, Eric, is I'm, I'm, I'll be your backdoor pilot. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me. I wanted to ask... Uh, does uh you know we were talking about the Pacific Rim circuit? Does that mean that Michael Shane was offering Velvet a Pacific Rim job? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but basically uh, things start falling apart because I guess the farce starts to like again. I, is it just me? I, I had a very hard time like following where actually who knew what and when, but I feel like the general thrust of the narrative was that like the facade was breaking down. Michael Shane starts getting jumpy. So after he invites, well, and this is after the uh, after the two minute long fight between Bobby and Bucky because they just kind of ran out of things to do. Oh wait a minute! I want to talk about that for a second because the way that fight starts, Bucky. First of all, I don't know. I think Bucky has problems admitting when things are his fault, uh, which is something I think he should work through. But the uh, Bucky, the Australian. And Bobby are are kind of going at it and like and and yelling at each other on the beach, and uh, Russ before like Russ kind of goes, you know what you guys need to do, you guys need to do what my mom did with me and my brother who used to fight all the time. She stuck us in a room and said, only one of you leaves alive. <laughs> 
like, is this why we don't hear about Russ's brother? <laughs> I used to have a lot more brothers. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? Like, this is a very dark childhood, Russ. Explains a lot, though, really. Yes. But uh, also, did you catch that Bucky called uh, called uh, Bobby and Abbo? I, I don't did, know what I that didn't means. understand what that meant. That's what that's a a racist term that Australians use for aboriginals. Ew. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a it's like, you know, like it's a slur. Like, you know, it's No, no, I, I get guess it. it would probably be yeah. Man, I I got a lot of que- I have a lot of question turns out for Bill Nuss. God yeah, damn. I don't know why that's... I guess it's okay because, like, they're on the other side of the world and they're never going to see this? I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, as Bobby was saying, um, Michael Shane's getting jumpy. They need to, to wrap up the deal as quickly as possible. They figure out that the other two are cops and hold them hostage, but they haven't figured out that Corey is yet also a cop, and so he, he has her wire uh, transfer $2 million dollars to another account um and so uh cory who has been to undercover school at least tries to make up some reasons why she's not able to do this immediately well she's a lieutenant yeah she's had more training but well, she says he sits her down i love this because he sits her down at, a, at, at like a, a dell gateway laptop from 2001 which I guess makes sense. That's when this was made. Never mind. That's it, not funny. It was 1999. <laughs> this was in 1999, so it was actually a very good laptop. Wow, guess, he's got a 2001 model in 1999. That's amazing. So, anyway, she sits there though, and he leaves her alone in the room first, which I think is hilarious. She's got two cop hostages in the bedroom of this like motel. He leaves her unattended with the computer, and she just sits there for a minute and. I actually, this was, I guess, good acting because this is how I would react. But she's like, "Huh, well, fuck. What do I do now?" <laughs> like the look at her face. She just like starts like biting her nails. Basically, she was like, "Huh." Like she wasn't like calm, cool, collected, had a plan. She was like, "Uh." And then someone comes in and she's like, "Oops, I turned it off by accident." Oh, silly me. <laughs> like what? That was her I, best. That was her best move. I need to go back to that scene a little bit more because because what happens is, um. Michael says, we're leaving in five minutes. She sits down, does the things that you said, and then blonde henchman comes in and goes, four minutes, 50 seconds. And then he says, can I watch you do the wire transfer? Yep. I'm very interested in IT, and I'd like to see how this all works. It was was a little bit like... um, You know, like, uh, there's always that, that point in an improv show where someone goes to their scene partner and is like, hey, this reminds me of that song you used to sing. You remember that song, right? And they're like, uh-huh. And you go, they go like, why don't you sing it for me? And then you just watch the person like, and then the, the whole audience is supposed to laugh because obviously the person is it like is now put on the spot. That's what this was, but for, under, but for an undercover cop. <laughs> um, also, did you guys notice that uh, that sh- that Shawn Michaels password was like five letters long? It was just like, he just like... He reaches over with one hand and just goes like F F F F F F F and then hits enter and is like, okay, you're in. Transfer the money. Don't yeah, tell anyone. Letters. Don't tell S-U-N-N-Y. anyone by N N Y. Or is it S A B L E? I can never remember. God, I gotta reset it again. 
That was funnier than whatever <laughs> joke I was going to make. Sorry. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's a shootout all of a sudden um, because Corey tries to take out the uh, take out the guard. Um, she says that he was trying to steal. Him. I don't know. Like we're we're getting going home as quickly as possible with this one. Here. He was trying to unplug the computer, and she was like, "No, not Mister Shane's computer." <laughs> and <laughs> oh, Mister Shane! <laughs> oh, a phone call for you! Oh no! So Shane has a hostage and then just inexplicably throws her away and starts running. They get run down on bike by the bike cops. Um uh, wait, wait, wait. Down, the bike the bike the cops bike... the bike cops commandeer bikes and they take <laughs> helmets and put the helmets on. And then go down so many stairs on bikes. Again, so they're so cautious about it. You can see they're just like, uh like it was it was um it was Corey's first day in undercover and it was those guys' first day as like the stunt drivers. They were like, no 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 no. Uh, and that so then we get go to the re- resolution of all of the love stories that have been going on here, where Bobby and Claire just decide, nope, that's it. It's fourteen seconds long. I feel like after they spent all this time setting up in there, and it's like, nope. We're going back to where we came from. Well, I, I okay, so I understand uh, Bobby's reasons for for like not transferring, right? Like, it well, it, and it's funny because you know you really see some some depth to their personalities here because it's like you can see that Bobby is is really talking past Claire because he's like, man, you live in paradise. This place is so great. It's like, it, and she's like, it's ten years behind the mainland. He's like, yeah. 10 years like like they're they're 10 years behind on gangs and on violence and on drugs and she's like yeah but like they're 10 years behind on culture and all this other stuff and he's like yeah i know what you mean (laughs) and like she means it in a negative way but then you know he's like you know i want to bring my i guess druggy sister or whatever uh to like to to hawaii and then he's like okay I, i shouldn't uproot her fine I have no idea why Claire doesn't want to leave Hawaii at this point. Like what, what's the, I, I, I was trying to follow the reasoning in their conversation and it didn't make any sense to me. And we also wait, we've watched four episodes of this show so far. And this was the first time that we've ever heard, uh, Bobby Cruz mention that he has a sister. That, I, I was feeling that, well, that he like takes care of the interview. I don't know if she showed up in the intervening time. I think she might have. I think she might be part of his story because they were referring to her in a way where it made it sound like, like they were like, wait, you have a sister. Oh, your sister has a, like, they didn't do any, like the, they, they didn't, they didn't like talk about any of the, the background. They just kind of assumed it was, it was like common knowledge. I think. Well, if he did move to Hawaii, then Russ could just take her under his wing and shields her from all the bad in this world. Yeah, he took her back from the hospital after her overdose and imprinted on her. Um, the whole thing with Claire and 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 Vel uh, with uh, not with Claire with Russ and Velvet, where like, man, they're just like it's just too much with the picnics. 
Like that's your problem, not they... the fact that Russ stole evidence and gave it to the stripper that he's known for 14 <laughs> minutes. Again, bad cops, really bad cops. Like he actually stole evidence. But like I you know what it is? It's like you know what you know when people are like like don't have a lot in common and they like meet each other and they're hanging out and so they have that like one inside joke that they just keep saying to each other all the time. Like that's what the picnic thing is because it was like it was like a weird it was like a, a, a you know a weird choice he made like oh let me invite you on a picnic because I'm not trying to sleep with you uh, and then it becomes like picnic is just going to be like their go to thing as like oh remember that rapport we built up remember picnics I mean and but it, it's but just like, but Eric ugh, what else is what, what else is going to be their thing is it going to be uh, crab walking lap dances or is it going to be fucking on the beach to knock off Roxy music. I, it really was knockoff Roxy. Roxy it was straight music. up Avalon. Really yeah, it was. Or um, uh, uh, Slave to Love. It was like something Brian Ferry has done. And then we just get a super close-up of the two of them kissing. And and this is not the first time that they did this. They get like to get the camera right up, so you see every single movement of the lips. Yep. Um, by the way, speaking of, of vomit, uh, do you remember what Shawn Michaels said to Corey to try to like entice her to work with him? No. He goes, I can offer you the kind of love affair that happens in fairy tales and tabloid magazines. <laughs> and I'm like, what fairy tales are you reading? Like like Humpty Dumpty? What is the <laughs> you know, like the, the fairy who tale? Gets... One turns to drugs and hookers. The other's career is ruined when their nudes leak. You know those kinds of love affairs. <laughs> yeah, like who gets their back walls blown out in fairy tales? Like where does that happen? Uh, well, should we close the the book on this fairy tale? Yeah, I'd say. All right, I'm gonna need glasses after this. <laughs> Love us, disagree, want to. Stuff us inside the fin of a surfboard. Uh, I was going to say, make us surf to prove that we're a drug courier. Let us know. Email us at helenacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Pod, or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back again next week with another episode.